As a founder, I've asked myself, can I ever be an employee again? What happens if I'm forced into reporting to someone else now that I've tasted the freedom of founderhood? Maybe you have too. On today's Startup Therapy, we'll discuss what happens when you have to stop being a boss and start having one. Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined as ever by Will Schroeder, CEO of Startups.com. So there's a lot of discussion around the founder journey, right? And this notion of becoming a founder, entering this noble path of, of founderdom. One of the things we talk less about is what happens when a founder has to go back to being an employee. and it's probably more common than we think. Well, how often are you having this conversation with people? How often is this coming up when you're talking to other founders around this regression, and I'm air quoting that, this regression back into being an employee? It comes up under two circumstances. Circumstance one, everything hit the fan, and I have to go back to being an employee. Do you know anybody that's hiring? <laughs> so yep. that, that's what's one part of it. And it, as I get calls twice a week that look something like that. And, and I always tell the founder, I said, this is part of the journey. It's not the most sexy yeah. part of the journey. It's not the party, part we all signed up for, but it is part of the journey. The other side of it is when things actually go really well and right. the company gets sold and the founder and usually the team gets sold with it. And now, right. you know, there's technically maybe hopefully a good outcome, but at the same time, the next day you've got an employee name badge. <laughs> that's, right. a, that's a lot, lots to contend with. Fairly, fairly different day at the office. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's particularly hard, believe it or not, hardest from what I've seen for the folks who have sold the company. And again, it's hard for people to think about that because like, well, I don't understand. They sold the company. like uh, you know, They've got to be super pumped about that. It's hard when you've been doing so well and being rewarded for your efforts to then one day all of a sudden you show up in this this office and your boss is calling on you to show up for a meeting. You're like, oh, this right. feels weird. You know, how'd I get here? Yeah, it's kind of like, I just won the Super Bowl. Okay, now go run some laps. Like, wait. Yeah, what? it's it's bizarre. It's bizarre. And so, uh, so, yeah, I think we should talk about what that catharsis looks like. We all think about it. Some of us have to have gone through it. I've gone through it. Ryan, I think you've gone yep. through it. Oh, yes. Um, so let's talk about what it meant, how it felt, some of the upsides and some of the downsides. And because I, I think if you really have been through this process enough times in your life, you know, it's and it's a bit of a cycle, founders going into employment and out of employment, if you will. If you've been through it enough times, you start to understand that it's probably a fairly temporary thing and you just kind of do your tour of duty and you just kind of yep. rest up until you're ready for your next startup. But if you've never done it before, it's just terrifying. It just feels like, oh my God, I can never go back to this. And it's like, uh, you're going to be okay. Let's, let's talk about that for a second though. Let's talk about the, I can never go back to this. Cause I know you and I have had this discussion before. Um, and when we've talked about founders that we've talked to where we walk away from the conversation going, yeah, actually, I'm not sure that they can go back to being an employee. It's safe to say we both know people that fit that mold where it really may not be possible. Right, Their personality, their experiences in life have led them to a point where it really isn't going to be possible. You're talking about if the very DNA of the of the founder yeah. makes them a very terrible employee. Yes. Uh, yeah, dude, that was me. I, I was yeah. 
the worst employee. I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Nice roundabout. Well teed it up for you. (laughs) Imagine if somebody was just not cut out to to take answers from anybody. I I more or less got fired from every job I had prior to starting um, the startup. And thankfully, I was 19 when I started a startup, so I kept that tenure fairly short. But I was so young, I didn't. I didn't understand what the common cause was. I just thought I was incompatible with jobs. Yeah. I was incompatible with being told what to do. Right. Uh, you know, since I was a kid, and you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are. I mean, it's part of our DNA. Yeah. But w- what threw me, and Ryan, you work with me, and I'm going to put words in your mouth. And I'm hoping you're going to agree with them. It's it's you know that I don't like being told what to do, but it's not the same as not listening, right? And I think people confuse those two things. I yeah. think. You can sit across from someone and listen intently and really weigh what they have to say and make your own decision. But the moment they say it's not your decision, that's very different. Yeah, completely changes everything. Yeah, and it's funny because it's, in a lot of cases, just a psychological trigger, but still has the same impact of now making you resistant to it, making you not want to do it. Yeah. Right. So, so, right to your point, your question, when you said, you know, what if I can't go back to being an employee? We're not talking about physically being able to. We're talking about from a, a an emotional, character-driven yeah. standpoint. Yeah. If we're just not built to take orders from other people, it's not going to end well. Right. Right. And, and, and I've been through it on the positive, too, where we sold a company. I've been part of the acquisition, and I was kept on board. I didn't mean to be a shitty employee. But I was a shitty employee. <laughs> There's no <laughs> yeah. way around it. Right, right. Well, it's it's the it's the analogy you really right. You're, you're being asked to run laps after winning the Super Bowl. Right? You're you feel like you've achieved what you needed to achieve, and now you're being put through this sometimes very arbitrary period of earnout or or turnkey or whatever it is or, or an aqua hire that isn't really you know it, it's. When we think about being acquired, when we think about selling a company, that's certainly not the top of our list. Like, man, I can't wait to sell the company. And then spend two years uh, hanging out with my now uh, ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend, a.k.a. my company and the new owners. Not as much fun, right? Not nearly as much fun. And I suppose, too, it would also matter a lot who you're reporting to. Now, I'll I'll give you an example. In the last company that I started, a company called unsubscribe.com, my co-founder, Jamie Simonoff, who, you know, I've talked to you, Ryan, about before. Yep. Uh, after we sold that, he started a company called Ring, the doorbell company, and sold it to Amazon for like over a billion dollars. And so now he reports to Jeff Bezos. I got to tell you, if Jeff gave me a billion dollars and said, you have to report to me, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I'd <laughs> probably be all right with that. I could probably get past it. So, and also, you know, Jamie now gets access to Jeff and he, you know, he gets access to all these amazing resources. So sometimes going into a reporting structure that's fit for your capability. You know, yes, you're a leader in your own right, but man, this is a much bigger play and you want yeah, to be yeah. part of that bigger play. I, I could see that. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. But I think the that's rare. is definitely. Yeah, I was, was going to say, like, we can count those in the last decade on one hand. Well, um, yeah. And there's other people that that by no means are the types of people that like being told what to do. I mean, Steve Jobs comes back to Apple after he'd been fired from Apple, right? Yes. In, in the 90s. Not exactly the kind of guy that likes being told what to do, but at the end of the day, he didn't run the company. I mean, he ran it as an employee, but he, you know, somebody wrote yeah. his paycheck, and right. he answered to people. Yeah, and so that's correct. But it worked for him, right? Because in in his case, the play was big enough 
that being an employee was actually the, the best use of his capabilities because he had access to that infrastructure and could do the things he wanted to do. Yeah, that's right. Gave him, gave him the leverage he needed to, to achieve what he wanted to achieve. I think another possibility as far as uh, it's not a good fit is you get to a point where the product you're working on, the thing that you're doing, you're just kind of burnt out, right? So yeah. it's it's not even so much just a DNA fit. It's, I just, I've, I've run for seven years, let's say 10 years to get to the point where we could even sell this thing. I don't know that I'm willing to sign up and put up on a name badge and just keep doing this. I don't even know if it's about being an employee anymore. I just don't think I want to do this anymore. Right, I just don't have the energy for it, right? Because it's, being a founder for that seven to 10 year period is not the same thing as being an employer, right? We expect to keep working for most of our lives. Most of us yeah. want to do that. But there is a big difference, especially as you get to these really climactic points like selling a company where the stress level, the energy required, all of that stuff goes way up. And so the end of that race is very often a protracted sprint. And right. you are exhausted at the end of it. And the idea that there's more that comes after that, right? Like I left it all in the field. I did everything I could. I put literally all of myself into this to get to this point. And now I got to suck it up and do some more, right? So this is why we often see founders who are going through that turnkey period, earnout period, whatever it is, um, look like they're kind of going through the motions because they are. And I've had some very, very honest conversations recently with a couple of founders that have sold their companies, no huge exits, but you know, they, they did well enough where the one of them said, you know, I, I don't ever have to work again. I want to, but I don't want to do what I have to do right now. And he's, he's got an 18 month earnout, and he's like literally dreading every day of it. And it's, it's for exactly that reason. It's like, I just, I gutted myself getting it to this point and I didn't save anything. I didn't save yeah. anything for the afterlife. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I put it all out and now here I am with 18 months of I don't give a shit that I have to spend my time on, right? And is it's not a great spot to be in. Well, I think I think we probably both opened this part of it up, the I don't want to be an employee ever again, on what we'd consider the best case scenario. You just yeah, sold right. something, right? <laughs> so so probably worthwhile to kind of to turn it to where most people are thinking, probably if they fired up this episode, what they were thinking, yeah. which is yeah, that's cool. Your buddy sold ring or whatever. That's that's not uh, what I'm dealing with at all. I'm right. dealing with the polar right. opposite of this. I just sold my wedding ring to me. Yeah, yeah, people. exactly. That's I'm where I'm at. Very yeah. different place, right? <laughs> so over the last couple of days, last night at dinner and then a couple of days ago on a, a phone call, I had two very old friends call me up for just to, to confer on some things. Both of them were in a position where they were later stage in life. The startups had failed. It happens. It's part of the process. But they were in a position where they were like, dude, what do I do now? I mean, seriously, I'm in I'm my 40s, 50s. I don't want to go back to wearing a name badge and having to go listen to some person. Guess, guess what? Maybe half your age as your manager, right? Not yeah. that there's anything wrong with that, but that's that's a pretty striking difference between yeah. you were the man, the CEO five seconds ago, right. and now uh, you know someone's telling you how to do your job. And you're like, dude, I yeah, just... Now you're turning in TPS reports. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. And uh, so... When we when we talked about it, I went through a bit of a progression in the discussion. I said, look, first and foremost, chances are you're just going to have to get a job. Like, There's not really a lot of optionality here. Let's talk about where and why you just don't feel like you're ever going to be able to take you know, a W-2 kind of position from somewhere, someone else again. And here's the challenge. It's not that any of us can't do it. I think part of it's an ego thing. You know, kind of how could it not sure. be? 
right? Sure, that, sure. That job is a reflection of your failure. Yeah. Right. Like every time That's you the show way it up, feels to you at least. Yeah, I mean, no one else sees it that way, but but you sure do. You know, every t- you pull in the parking lot, you're walking to somebody else's company, talking to someone else's boss, and you're like, dude, man, like, where did I go wrong? How did I get here? Right. right. It, that's painful. I, I can see yeah, that. It is. Okay. So yeah. So there's there's difficulty, right? We're going to be walking into somebody else's company, having just left, you know, our own under less than awesome circumstances, the worst circumstances, right? It's it's failed, gone down in flames. We're carrying this this uh, self imposed shame of this reflection of failure. But let's let's break that down into like walking through that door. Like, what are all the things that are going to happen to a founder um, as they enter employment again that really make this intolerable? Well, I think the first thing is nine seconds ago you had full autonomy. You had sure. every decision. You know, I gotta say. Even when things were going horrible, when the ship was just about to hit the bottom of the ocean, you were still the captain of it, at least. Yep. You know, you were in control of that fate. You were in control of the decisions. And again, even if perhaps you made bad ones, they were still your decisions. They were your decisions. And I, I think this is something that you, it's really hard to hear until you've been through it because a failing startup doesn't sound good no matter what, but there is a huge difference between being in the driver's seat when something crashes and just being a passenger. Uh, for me, knowing that it was my decisions that put us into that position will always feel better than, I don't know, it may be, maybe I'm a bit of a hypocrite, but like, I'm okay with me making wrong decisions, but when I see somebody else doing it, it gets under my skin. Like, like yeah, hey, absolutely. If somebody's going to make the wrong decisions, let it be me, all right? So, like, it, and, and that's a real thing. Here's what's interesting. What my friends were saying, the two uh, gentlemen that I actually had conversations with uh, last night and then the day before, is they're not even thinking, hey, I could make more money or I could you know, create less less debt more, more likely. They're yeah. saying, I don't want to be robbed of my autonomy. So For again, sure. the, pro- the progressions, one is ego. We're going to walk into a room that's a reflection of our failure. And that's, that's a lot to swallow, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. the equivalent of... You just lost the game and you're walking back to the locker room while you hear the other team cheering on the field. Right? Yep. <laughs> it's just, just it's a horrible feeling. <laughs> it's yeah. And so a huge part of it is ego, and, and we're trying to process that in our heads. The second part is that lack of autonomy. And, and that's a little bit of ego, but that's real. It's very, very hard to have that autonomy taken from you. And depending on the organization you go into, that can get incredibly exacerbated. Right. Oh, sure. You, you can go to an organization where you're eight levels down from executive management. <laughs> yeah. Right? You go to We're work looking like, at you nationwide insurance. Yeah. Or Chase Bank, you know. Uh, and, yeah. and, and so you go into those organizations and you're like, I have no meaningful uh, autonomy or direction in this company whatsoever. Yes, they, they let me take days off or work from home. But that's not really what I got into this for. You know, I, I wanted to have. I get to choose red or blue on Hawaiian shirt day. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's painful. Yeah. I think the other piece is, and I think this is, this is very real for folks, it feels like a one-way door. The moment I, I break that seal, the moment I go into that, that big faceless company, I can never yeah. come out. Right? Right. I've, I failed as an entrepreneur, and I'm going to this thing, and that is my, my final mark, and I can never yep. do it again. And, and you know what's funny? I have, I've, I've recently talked to folks that I've got two different versions of why that feels that way. 
in one case, it was it was somebody who had kind of only ever been startup guy, right? And had done three or four and none of them had worked out well enough. They all kind of like made it just far enough that he felt empowered to do the next one. And then he had to enter into employment after the fourth one failed. He was at a different stage in life, had kids at this point, had to make some different decisions. And so therefore, like for him, it's like he'd always been outside this and now entering into it. So he has no idea what it takes to get out of employment and back into being a founder. Right. So that was scenario one. The other one, a uh, young lady who had worked in corporate for like 12, 14 years, had saved her money, developed a lot of expertise, a great Rolodex, started a company. Four years later, company starts to fail. And we're having the same conversation around like, I'm going to have to go get a job. And for her, it was a bit different. She knew what it took to escape employment, right? In her first go around, it took 12, 14 years before she felt comfortable. And we sure. talked about the fact that it's not the same this time around. She already has the background. She already has the expertise. She has some, you know, other assets that she brings to the table, but that for her, she was like, I can't imagine. And she used the word escape velocity. She literally was like <laughs> thinking of herself as a rocket. Like, how will I be able to achieve escape velocity from employment again? And so she felt this, this heavy despair, uh, because of previously having made that escape. And she was like, I don't know that I've got the energy to do that ever again. And so that's where she felt trapped. So it's interesting, but we can arrive at that, that same spot, that feeling of once I go through this door, there's no coming back from a number of different angles, right? And I don't think one is any more or less painful than the other. It's also totally untrue. It is. I, I think th we talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody that, believed me. Yeah. Well, it's like anything else in life. You have to go through it. We all believe yeah. that whatever's happening now will project onto the future. The only guarantee is that it won't. And right. so, you know, when we think the startup is off and running, we think that's going to work forever. It just means it won't. <laughs> yep. When we think we're going to be stuck in in the, the cubicle hells of, of whatever company, that that's going to happen forever, it probably won't. Now, we'll probably talk later about when it does last forever and kind of why that may be. But for the time being, it's not a foregone conclusion. It's, it's not a death sentence. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. I think for founders and those of, who have learned to identify themselves as, as founders and have kind of taken the the requisite pride that comes with being a founder and, and deservedly so, having that stripped from you, right? I, I sure. um, About 10 years ago, so this is a while back, I remember hosting one of the founders dinners that we do where we get about 10 to 20 founders uh, in a room, usually at one of our houses, and we just all talk shop. It's one conversation. We've written about this before. But I asked him, I said, hey, you know, we'd love to see you at the next founder dinner. And he said, my, my startup failed, so uh, regrettably, I can't come anymore. And I was like, dude, you're still a founder. You know, you, you didn't get a yeah. license revoked. Your experience <laughs> didn't change, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you may not have a, a you startup. You haven't been shunned from the community. You just no longer have an active startup. Yes, and, and that was, it. he couldn't believe it. He, like, well, yeah. I, I don't understand. And, and, and again, it's up to him to determine whether he thinks he's still a founder. But my point is, as a founder, and somebody who's been a career founder, you're always a founder. You may just switch your, your position from time to time. And yeah. I think right. people need to wrap their heads around that. Yeah. It's not a country club, right? Yeah, you don't have to continue exactly. to pay the dues. Like once a member, always a member, right? You'll still always have that experience. And, and when I was talking to my friends the last couple of days, and we were talking about their transition out of founderhood back into the job world, one of the things I said to them, I said, have you considered the upsides of getting back into the job right. world right now? And they don't yep. because right, right now they're still in failure mode. They're saying, hey, everything's horrible. 
I've been living through this car accident, just watching it slowly unfold. And that's all <laughs> yep. I'm thinking about. So no, I'm not really thinking about what the upsides of, of, uh, of a W2 job might look like. And I said, you know, there are actually a lot. And, and Ryan, you and I are the last people to advocate, hey, don't become a founder and take a W2 job. But we're also not one-dimensional idiots either. Like there, right. are, there are a ton of there benefits, are, especially yes. for the right time and place. That's the thing. It's the time and place, right? That's the, the, the context under which it happens uh, can make it or break it in terms of uh, the, what the upsides are to being employed. But as you said, there are a ton of them, right? Some of them are pretty obvious. A regular paycheck, right? <laughs> depending on how badly, depending on how that. badly the startup was tanking and for how long, uh, you may have been going without pay for some time or, or reduced pay uh, or deferred comp or something else, right? Where that can put a real pinch on, on life. And, and so, you know, going back to the, you know, every two weeks or once a month paycheck is a pretty obvious benefit, right? The one you and I talk about a lot is just, it takes the weight off the shoulders. Oh my God. Right. You're, you time, no longer you have to. Yes. Right. Because there's, you're not just worried about yourself at this point, right? Like as you transition out of that startup company, you know, whether it was big or small, you probably had to let some employees go. People who had, you know, been there with you in the trenches, working shoulder to shoulder, digging, trying to make this thing work, especially the ones that were there at the very end. And you got to worry about all of them too, right? That doesn't just go away. It's like, oh, well, startup's over. High five. See you guys. You carry all that with you too. And so being able to shed at least your own personal weight from responsibility about thinking about the success of the company you're now working for any more than is required in your nine to five is a huge benefit. Right? And you've been carrying that weight for so long and yes. it's gotten exponentially big at which point you're, you're folding up the startup and getting into the, the employee role. Yeah. That just getting that off your shoulders for a day, a week, a year feels like the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> yep. A different buddy of mine uh, sold his company, did really well with it, but had a two-year earnout that he had to uh, sit in on uh, and just started it recently. And I was talking to him about it. And he had a fairly large organization that he sold into a much bigger organization. And I said, how do you feel about it? And he said, fantastic. He said, yeah, yeah. He said <laughs> now every single uh, email that hits my inbox of some stupid problem in the company, some HR issue, some partner issue, some financial yeah. issue. You know what I do? I don't hit the reply button anymore. I hit the forward button. <laughs> it's right. Like, it's, it's somebody exactly else's it. problem now. Oh, man. And he just said, even though things were going well, and I'm trying to use the, the contrast between the two, that this isn't always about failure, so to speak. Even though things were going well, he needed that weight. He'd been doing the company, if I recall, for like nine years. You know, that's just a long run. And it's a long time. And I don't think because we take on these responsibilities incrementally, I don't think we realize how much we're shouldering, especially toward the end when every day, and let's face it, every evening just grinds you to the bone. Yeah. Like just showing up at an office, forget a sec for a second that it's somebody else's company or you're reporting to somebody, just showing up somewhere where you're safe for a minute, right? right. Where you just walk in and be like, I just got to be here for eight hours. I just got to do my job and yeah. leave. And I don't have to care about anything. <laughs> and yeah. chances well, it, are... It puts you back into a circumstance of certainty. Yes. Right? I have to be here from nine to five. 
I'm going to get paid this. They're going to take this much out of my check for taxes. I won't have to worry about that anymore either. Like my finances just became very simple, very static. And, you know, we talk about this a lot, but startups are the embodiment of uncertainty, right? All of it. All right. And then even as you get near the end and, and you're sort of certain that it's going to end like that process. And we did a whole podcast on that, right? Like how to wind down gracefully. There's a lot to it. And that uncertainty that comes with all of that is exhausting, right? So going back, as you said, you know, getting back into this where like, you know, it's a nine to five. I know there's a start and a stop. It's finite. There's some real beauty in that when you haven't had it for like, say, nine years. Yeah. Or all the conversations you finally just don't have to have anymore. You don't have to be constantly uh, listening to investors ask you, uh, where are we and, and where are you on the next funding round? You don't have to yeah, right. have your employees asking you, are we going to have enough money to make payroll next week? You don't have to listen to your right. spouse asking you, are we going to have enough money to pay for anything next week? Yeah, right. Just for once, you're like, dude, just give me a minute. And just yeah, I'm just gonna lean on the water cooler and listen to people's golf handicaps. I yeah. don't even know what a golf handicap is, but I know they. I know people talk about. Them. <laughs> well, you know, Ryan, you and I have both played in sports where you have you know multiple lines. You played soccer, I played hockey, where you have to. In, in my parlance, you have to come off the ice from time to time. Founders don't get a period where they get to come off the ice for a while, right? Yeah, you just get pushed further and further and further, and it just. It, it sometimes you score a goal and it pumps you up a little bit, but you're still worn down. Yeah, you're still gassed. And yeah. and I I talk to my friends and I say, guys, you need some time off the ice. You just do, just get a breather for a little bit, right? It, right. It's the healthiest thing that could happen right now. Now, for some folks, and I think we should touch on this. For some folks, it's not even just the breather; it's the you wherever you go, assuming you land in a place that could be positive for you, there might be a lot of things you wish you knew that this place could teach you. you know, sure. I've, I've got some friends, I have a friend, a different circumstance, different friend that went to Amazon after a startup, did okay, but not great, but he needed to find another gig. And uh, he said, look, the reason I wanted to go to some place like Amazon, I wanted to fill in all those knowledge gaps that I didn't know I had being a founder. You know, And, and we talked about sure. this, right? We talked about... Yep. You become a founder, yeah, and let's say there's a lot can, to be said for that, right? Oh, it's yeah, especially if you're if you're in the right company to learn it. Yeah, I mean, let's let's say you started your company, and like at that point, like you were you were a marketing guy, right? And that's what you knew. But then all of a sudden, as a founder, you got to be finance guy, HR guy, <laughs> right. sales guy, all, all the whole damn thing, right? Everything, right? Uh, chief cook and bottle washer, and so you know now you have the opportunity to do one of two things, right? Like you may say, like, I just want to go back into marketing guy role for a while and hone skills or pick up new things, learn from somebody who has some answers instead of having to be the one who constantly generates the answers. Or you may say like, hey, I'm going to pay a little more attention now in some of these conversations. Like when I'm sitting down with Dave from finance or, you know, uh, Janine from HR, whatever, we've got, you know, I have this opportunity to pick up and learn some things that may be useful as I achieve to, to borrow from my friend, escape velocity and, and re-enter the founder space, right? You can pick up skills, uh, you know, personal hit points, all these things is just rest a little bit, but there's a lot of good that can come out of being in that environment where you're no longer responsible for everything. You have the freedom to learn again. You have the freedom to rest. You don't have any of that as a founder. You also have resources uh, that you can tap into. I remember when our first company grew and became yes. a big company, 
I specifically remember always battling with the finance department because we had, you know, our work in process, we called it, which were our receivables we were tr- still trying to collect on. And every month, yep. I had to sit down with yep. the finance team and they would bitch at me about where we stood with collections for X client and how I had to go and get that money back, which they were saying the right thing. It was just super annoying. And at the time, it was like, the child being me in this yeah. case, battling with the parent, right? Mom and dad, don't tell me how to do things, right? But now that right. I look back, and I'm also the CFO of our company, <laughs> I wish I could like go back in time right. and have soaked up every single thing they were telling me. Because at the time, I was just, I, I was a founder, I was running stuff, but I was doing so many other things. I, I, didn't, I didn't appreciate how badly I should, I should learn what they were telling me. This would be an opportunity, again, if, sure, sure. if I was going back into a big company, I would soak up as much as I possibly could from all of the veteran people from all of the different departments and try to arm myself as fast as possible with all the stuff that I knew last go around that I was missing. It, it'd be such a sweet opportunity. Yeah, sure. Yep. Fill in the gaps. Yeah, boy, if only we could go back and relive with that 2020, huh? Well, and think about it. If, if you're also early in your career, right? Uh, early is relative to different folks, but let's say you're in your 20s and you're 25 and your startup failed and you go to work for another company. Usually that's not as big of an issue because you're like, well, I was probably going to work for another company anyway. But at that point, you've had this really, really right. cool glimpse into all the things you didn't know. And it's almost like getting sent back to school to figure them all out again. And so you can start to say again, man, I didn't know anything about yeah. customer acquisition. Yeah. I'm going to start spending time with those marketing guys, even though I'm a developer. You know, you can start to really use that as a way to, to pull from. Yeah, it's a, there's, there's nothing quite like the crucible of being a founder to purify what you do and don't know, right? <laughs> Get down to that real quick. You know, there's, there's another part of it too, and I think this is really important. When we became founders, we weren't necessarily CEOs before that. And not every founder is a CEO. We, we kind of, you know, sometimes co-founders, we fit into different roles. But forget about that for a second. Right, right. It's rare that when we became a founder, we were the head of another company before that. Chances are, you know, we were way down the totem pole. In some cases, you know, if you're a super young founder, like I was 19, yep. right? Um, uh, you have no leadership capability whatsoever. You're making it all up. Well, guess what? Chances are yes. the person who's the CEO of the company you're going to now did not start that way, right? They've come up through the ranks. They've had to build diplomacy skills. They've had to build leadership skills, yep. communication skills, organizational skills, shit you didn't have. And while you may not have appreciated it when you were younger before, now that you have, you've actually sort of done their job before, you listen to everything they have to say. Because you're starting to realize that yes. the way they, they approach things, those, those corporate communications that went out there, like, wow, you know, that kind of sounds cheesy. Why is he talking like that? Well, now you've been in a room and understood why you can or can't say certain <laughs> things, right? <laughs> yep. At a gross level. Yep. And so you start to really kind of, you know, rebuild all of your character stats and start to say, okay, man, like when I go to do this again, I'm going to have taken all of this knowledge and make sure I'm properly prepared because I actually know yep. what the tour of duty looks like this time. Right. I now know that I can't shotgun a beer when we raise our billionth dollar <laughs> um, as a publicly traded company, right? <laughs> Nod to one Andrew Mason of Groupon. So, yeah. And so the other thing, though, is it just gives us some time to chill the hell out, reflect, regain, and, I, and regain, so not financially, of course, but just 
spiritually, emotionally, however you'd put it. Yep. Maybe hit a gym again, right? Lose the 30 yeah. pounds you get we to put regather on. your resources. Oh, man. Right? All of them, right? Your health, your well being, your finances, your skills, your knowledge, your network, all of it. Your relationships. Right? You got time now to do that. <laughs> right? That's, like, a, that's an interesting one, actually. And so I had lost connection with a, a dear friend of mine uh, for a number of years. And I, I realized it was because we were both heads down building startup companies. And, you know, while you could say, well, we were both going through the same things at the same time, that would have been a great friendship to keep going. Yes, hindsight tells me that. But it wasn't until he shut his down and went back to being an employee that he reached back out to me. and was like, hey, man, what's going on? I was like, hey, hey, we can talk again, right? We have time now. We have, we have the energy. But yeah, relationships is a big one. And it's a frequent cost to being a founder that relationships have to go by the wayside, at least for periods of time. And we've probably pulled so much out of all of those buckets, you know, between our spouses, yeah. our family, our friends, et cetera. Just a year of being able to go to barbecues or just go on a vacation or just <laughs> right. do dumb stuff that like we, we all just for like just overlooked for all this time, just to remind all the people in our lives that there was a reason they liked us to begin with, right? Sure, it's right. Because you know, the last couple of years weren't so awesome. All super important in all kind of this rebuilding period. However, I think I think most folks understand that. I think they'd really understand it when they get that l- little bit of a break, so to speak. And remember, going to work as a W-2 employee is going to be a break compared to probably what you just went through, yeah. whether things were good or bad, by the way. But I think what people are really saying is, and then the fear of all of this is, what if I never go back? What if I never go yeah. back to being a founder again? And there, folks want to hear, well, you can kind of go back to being a founder anytime. And that's true. But, you know, a lot of people don't. <laughs> a lot of people yeah, it's go through the cycle common outcome. and are like, you know what? I got to be honest. Like, I don't hate working 35 hours getting paid actual real wages and not making negative money every year. <laughs> right. <laughs> not a lot of that that I miss. You know what's funny, though? I'm digging through the mental database now. And I know a lot of people who haven't gone back to being a founder, but I can't think of a single one, regardless of how bad the crash and burn was, who walked away from it and told me, man, I'm never doing that again. I'm never doing that again, right? There was always this sense that they might, right? And I think that there's something really interesting about the psychopathy of being a a founder, that that's the attitude. Because yeah, you and I both know some folks who've had very, very messy endings to their startup companies. Sure. And yet I cannot think of, I'm, I'm, I'm scratching through the database here and I can't think of a single one who came out and was like, man, that was so bad. I will never do that again. Well, they might tell their spouse that just for- uh, Here's what I think know. happens, bud. I think that the folks that do this, that kind of like go from founder back to an employee and then kind of just stay employee for a while, you sort of yeah. don't hear from again. And I, and I don't mean that in, right. in a negative way, like, like you'd cut off ties with them. I think yep. it's just because by the time that happens, a few things are often the culprit, so to speak, if you can call it that. Number one, first and foremost, of course, is family. I'm 32 years old. I just got pregnant. I'm having my first kid. The startup thing was cool, but now I'm focusing on my family for a minute. And, you know, yeah. being pregnant stuff. And I'm gonna just going to focus on raising this kid. And my priorities just shifted. Right. Whereas before yeah. I, I wanted to build this one thing. Right now, I'm just kind of focused on this. My wife went through that. Right. Like. Prior to us having 
a child, she was in startup world. Now, she wasn't in startup world the way I was. It'd be a misclassed characterization of it. She, she worked at startups, but she didn't really care that much about startups, to be fair. But she never wanted to stop working. The moment she got pregnant and the kids came in, into the picture, she changed her tune completely. Yeah, yeah. And that's just you know one version of it saying, like, if you're a woman being pregnant, is you're a dude. You now have two kids that you're, you're helping support. And the idea yep. of risking it all and wondering right. whether your kids are going to be able to go to school and get fed and have pay your mortgage, like, why would I do that? You know, you're just, your life changes. Right. Yep. The decision metrics changes completely at that point. I think that's a big one. I, I think because when we're fairly young and, and we're unencumbered, so to speak, you know, without having other responsibilities that aren't ourselves, we can make these decisions. But once our encumbrances change and all of a sudden we have other people to answer to, people we love very much and, and are there to protect, I think we just look at it and go, you know what, the the glitz and glamour of startup life kind of isn't there the way it was when I was younger and I was more of a cowboy, right? Now that yeah. you know, now that I'm on the other side of things, I'm kind of like, I'm good with where I'm at. And, and I, I think that happens a lot. The other one that I see a fair amount, although this is a little more opaque because I don't see it very directly, uh, is debt. You know, I don't, we don't yeah. talk about this a lot, but man, we all rack up a lot of crushing, crippling personal debt. People complain about student loans and that's a real complaint. But man, you want to, you want to exacerbate that? <laughs> Try doing a startup and, and adding right. those non-paid bills. The, the bills. worst financing options ever. Right? Oh God, <laughs> right? Uh, there's no good version. There's no refinancing the debt because it's all shitty debt, like credit card debt, et cetera. And yeah. then you get into other stuff like uh, unpaid IRS bills for some folks. You get you get into, into tough stuff like uh, mortgages going south. You know, and and oh my gosh, right? It stacks up, and it's it's yeah, it's that can put in an uncrossable chasm yes. between you and startup land. Yes, and and I think also, let's say that, that you've gotten yourself out of it, and a lot of folks eventually do. You're kind of like ah. Uh, not really looking to, to sign myself up for that potential outcome again. It took me five years to get yeah. out of that. Hell, if I'm going to risk getting back into that again. So so we should probably podcast just on that at some point then, because I'm still, I, I'm like, since I made that comment earlier, I've still been kind of like in the back of my mind going through that. I still can't think of anybody, regardless of the impact that was like, who said at least that I'm never going back. I want to dig into that at some point. I want to get like, I want to, I want to turn that, that, that deep psychological leaf over and figure out like, why is it that we're not just outright saying, all right? Like I, I know some people, so I've recently started training jujitsu and, and I know a couple of people who had started, got injured really early on and then never went back to it. Right? I've got some bumps and bruises, nothing quite as severe as what they had, but I'm not seeing that same thing manifest. I've seen, I've seen people get horribly injured by their startups and they're either going right back in and doing another one or they're at least not saying I'm not going to. And I find that fascinating. Well, I think part of the reason people can finally say that, that either I'm going back or I'm not going back because for almost all of us, this is the first time we've seen both sides of the equation. We've seen what yeah, founder yeah. life is Very like. True. We've seen what employee life is like and we can finally make a decision. You know, if all, if all we've ever done is if it be a founder, which is rare, but it's actually the case. That was close to my experience. That's all you've known. If all you've known is being an employee, then then you kind of, you romanticize what being a founder is like. So here, here's yes. what I would say. I would say that if nothing else, going back to being an employee, going back to building a startup, 
gives us the optionality. If we're going to be an employee for a while, we have the optionality of becoming a founder, even if it's something we never want to do again. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. Thank you.